gracious Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you this night that we can meet together. We can be gathered together in one place. We can open up your word. And we can hear what you have to say to us. And so we do commit the whole of this meeting unto your care. That all that we say and do may be unto thy glory. That the name of Christ Jesus might be exalted. That we might know his presence in our midst. We do ask these things in our Savior's precious and holy name. Amen. We've been spending time looking at some of the messianic prophecies and luckily we've been in the book of Isaiah and working our way through some of those great predictions as to what would take place, what would happen. And there was a group of people who became convinced that the Messiah had come. And we see this in John chapter 6 and verse 69. John chapter 6 and verse 69. The crowds have been here and the crowds have seen the miracles and then the crowds have heard the teaching and departed. And uh, verse 67 Then said Jesus unto the twelve Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life You see, the disciples had become convinced that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah who would fulfill the great prophecies. But there is a problem. Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. And he, that's Jesus, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You see, whilst the disciples were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. Yet, 
they had their own interpretation of what that meant and it certainly didn't include Jesus coming to die they were expecting much greater things than that Luke's Gospel chapter 24 and the 21st verse But we, and this is the two on the road to Emmaus, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. You see, they were looking for someone who would come and give a glorious military deliverance to the nation and restore the divinity kingdom to its full glory indeed to a fuller glory than it had ever had and they saw this as the fulfilment of the messianic prophecies now in our study tonight what I want us to do is to come to John's Gospel chapter 14 and in John's Gospel chapter 14 we are in the upper room those last hours before the Lord Jesus was to die we have seen the triumphal entry when the people cried Hosanna when he rode into the city and now we're in this upper room Judas Iscariot has gone out and the Lord is teaching the disciples he's preparing for what is going to happen for his departure and we're coming to read tonight and we'll read from verse 11 please and we read to the end of verse 19 believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father and whatsoever you shall ask in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son 
if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Amen. These are part of the Lord's preparatory words for what is going to say to the disciples a terrible tragedy. And we see at the start of the chapter, he says there, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. They were going to face things that would indeed cause trouble in their hearts. But throughout this passage, we have the word belief, belief, belief. Verse 11 there. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. He's saying, believe me, I am God. What will happen is therefore good for the best. Believe me, trust me. But if you don't believe my words, believe me for the work's sake. And isn't that the same message that the Lord Jesus sent to John the Baptist? When John was in prison and he sent that messenger to say, Art thou the one, or we seekest we another? And he said to send back and tell John all the miracles that were happening in fulfilment of messianic prophecy. But else, believe me, for the work's sake. And those works were an attestation of his being the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy, of his being in the Father and the Father in me, as he said. He calls upon them to have hope, belief in him. Verse 12 there. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, 
and greater works than these shall he do because they go unto my Father. Again, he that believeth. He's talking here to the apostles. They're gathered together. The eleven. They said Judas Iscariot has gone out. He's talking to these ones. He's saying, even though, oh, should we rather say, because of what's going to happen, you will do, if you believe on me, you will do the works I've done. And when we read in the book of Acts, we see the apostles did similar works in many respects to what the Lord Jesus did. When we see the healings, they did those works in the condition that he that believeth on me. Then he goes on to say, and greater works than these shall he do. You see, he's telling us his death is not going to be the end. It's only going to be the beginning. It's after he has died, after he has gone on to his father, they will do these works. They will do greater works. And what were the greater works that they would do? Well, think of the day of Pentecost. Think of Peter's sermon. Think of the response the people that were added onto the church. This was greater than what the Lord Jesus had done in his earthly ministry. We read of the twelve, we read of the seventy, we read of the hundred and twenty, we read of five hundred at one time, seeing the risen Lord, but we don't read of the thousands being added to the church on the one occasion, on the one day. We don't see the church during the Lord's earthly ministry. We don't see the church being spread out. The evangelists going forth into other countries and nations. Local assemblies being established here and there and everywhere. And right at the heart of the Roman Empire. We don't see that. But because of what the disciples saw at the time is wrong, these things were possible. These things would happen. God was in control. The Lord Jesus did know what he was doing. The disciples called upon to believe to believe because I go unto my Father that speaks of the Lord Jesus being glorified we read where it says that the Lord Jesus humbled himself Because he left heaven's glory and came to earth. 
He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was his humiliation. But after that, he was raised to life. After that, he ascended up into heaven. After that, he was glorified. Given that place, that name that was above all of us. He says here, because I go to learn to my Father, because I will be glorified. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, if we leave out that full stop there, which the punctuation, of course, is added for our benefit, but if we just leave out the full stop there and see those two verses run together, because I go to my Father, or whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The prayer will be answered because we can come boldly on the throne of grace because the Lord Jesus has been glorified we have that great high priest. So our prayers will be answered. But we have to be careful when we say our prayers will be answered. It doesn't mean I am guaranteed that I can pray to go and buy a ticket in the lottery and know that it's not gambling because I will win. Not what it's talking about. Some people think it is. They look at it very superficially and they say, whatsoever, that means anything. That means everything. But it doesn't say that. I know the word whatsoever is there, but we have to qualify it by saying, you shall ask in my name. If I was appointed an ambassador for the British government and went to meet at the foreign office of whatever country it was, I would be going in the name of the government of Queen Elizabeth the second. And I would ask in her name whatever it was I was asking. That precludes all selfishness. We are going and asking in Christ's name. We are standing in his position. It is whatever brings glory to him that we are to see. It is whatever is conformed to his will. After all, we are to have our minds renewed. We are to be transformed. We are to love the Lord our God and our neighbour as ourselves. We are not, therefore, to be selfishly minded in that sense. 
we are to look for the things that glorify Christ. And that, as I say, is an explanation of what this verse means that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that is a rich privilege. We know that if we are what we should be in Christ, we can ask out of the abundance of our hearts and we will be granted even more than we've asked for. The problem comes now and that our hearts are not what they should be. We haven't taken on the whole mind of Christ. We do not study the scriptures as we should. Verse 14 If you shall ask anything in my name I will do it. Again you see we have that in my name I repeat it. It is to be consistent with Christ's glory. Verse 15 If you love me keep my commandments. Now let's, let's just stop a moment and put this verse again in the context. The Lord Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be dramatically taken from them, terribly maltreated, utterly humiliated, and on that terrible cross. Total shame. This is not what they were expecting in terms of the messianic fulfilment. They thought he was coming to reclaim the kingdom for Israel. There and then, dramatically overpowering, overthrowing the worldly rulers. They were going to be in total shock at what would happen. Although he had told them and told them, and told them, and told them. They had not taken it in and understood. So he says to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. How are you going to cope? No, that's not what he says. As Stuart Oliot says, not how to cope, but what is it right to do. They were to believe. They were to trust the Lord. To know that he was doing what is right. And they were to keep his commandments. And that is our responsibility in every situation. To always do what God's word says we should do. We 
are responsible to study what it says to believe what it says to obey what it says and that is all we are called upon to do to trust and obey for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus If the disciples had failed to believe after the Lord Jesus' resurrection, where would the church be? If the disciples had refused to meet together after his ascension, he said he is gone. We are going back to do because the Savior is appointed. He's no longer with us. But the Lord Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. How can you show your love for me? By listening to what I said and obeying it. It's not just limited to the, the teaching of his three and so years. It's the whole of Scripture. But the whole of Scripture is about the Lord Jesus. He is that subject. Why we should study. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that is the challenge for us in every situation. Whatever happens to us in life. We love the Lord Jesus. Keep his commandments. Believe the consequences of the Lord. He knows far better than us what is happening. And he works all things according to the counsel of his will. if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever you see in verse 15 we see the condition if you love me keep my commandments now we see the provision that the Lord will make and I will pray the Father interestingly earlier on verse 13 for instance ye shall ask whatsoever ye shall ask in my name is asking in this verse here, verse 60, and I will request. It's a different word in the Greek. Asking 
implies a humble submission, a humble application. But I will request the Father and he shall give you another comforter. In the Lord Jesus is asking in equality. He's requesting the Father and he shall give you and the key word here is another. There's quite a lot of dispute if you read various commentators as to exactly what the word comforter means. If you just concentrate on the word another comforter, most of the problems melt away. Another comforter. This word another is The word alos is suggestive of numerical difference of the same sort. There's another word that could have been used, heteros. We see these words used in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And the verse 6 and 7. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. That's the word heteros. We could say removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto a different gospel. Verse 7 which is not another is the word alos of the same sort which is not of the same sort but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. In our reading of the English here, both words are translated as another. There's something of the meaning is lost there. But here is this word amos, of the same sort. The comforter will be of the same sort as the Lord Jesus. He is leaving but they will have another comforter the same sort the, the, the comforter that will come will do the same work that the Lord Jesus did with the disciples he will be their helper their teacher their encourager their guide their strengthener their strengthener the one who comes alongside to help. And indeed we see that this word comforter is the word parakletos. Paraklete. 
And the word paraclete means one who comes alongside to help. It was often used in the legal sense. Hence the word advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have a help alongside us. We have a comforter in the glory. We have two comforters. The Holy Spirit abiding with us. And the Lord Jesus at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So, we begin to see how the disciples would be enabled to go forward after the Lord Jesus was taken from them. Their expectation was not to come to pass in the way they thought, but God's plan would be worked out. they would not lose out. They would do greater works than if the Lord Jesus had remained with them. When the Lord Jesus was here, he came as a man. He walked about with them. But he could only be with them in that one place one time. It was limited. He did not travel around like we can. He stayed in a warm general area. But when the Holy Spirit would be given, all the Lord's people, wherever they are, would have the comforter with them the other of the same sort comforter. And let us note there of the same sort like the Lord Jesus. If the Lord Jesus is a person so is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is merely an influence or a power so, it's the Lord Jesus. In fact, we have the three persons of the triune God. The one who is three, the three who are one. In this verse, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comfort the three working together in total unity and harmony. These things are beyond our full comprehension. But this is what the scripture teaches very clearly. 
and there can be no room for doubt upon it. There's so many, sadly, who would say we only accept the words of Jesus as gospel truth. You can forget what the Apostle Paul has to say. They're of interest, but it's secondary. He led everything off in his own direction, in his own plan. No. The Gospels and the Epistles stand together. And the Lord Jesus taught the great doctrines. The Epistles may expand upon them. But the most controversial of points are dealt with in what the Lord Jesus had to say in the Gospels. We must not give any place to people who would tear apart the truths which are beloved amongst us. The Lord Jesus taught these things personally. you see we are called upon we love the Lord Jesus we are called upon to do our duty to obey his commandments and we can do this because we have the promise of the of the same sort abiding for he dwells with you and shall be in you we have this promise we can trust the Lord he has made fullest provision for his disciples for his church this is what happened in the book of Acts this is how we came to hear the gospel in our lives this is why the church is still here why the truth is still being preached why sins are still being called repentance of faith because the Holy Spirit is working within and with the believers the disciples of the Lord Jesus